Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, a Saskatchewan-based company that focuses on providing sustainable and clean prairie-based biomass fuel wants to buy flax straw from producers. We'll hear from the CEO of Prairie Clean Energy, Mark Cooper. Saskatchewan cattle prices lost a little more momentum this past week, according to the latest cattle market update issued by Canfax. We'll hear from Provincial Cattle Specialist Fonda Froats on that. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture will join us today for a weekly overview of the wheat market. And construction is proceeding on the new Cargill Canola Crushing Plant located within the Global Transportation Hub on the eastern side of Regina. SaskAgToday.com's Chief Agricultural Editor Kevin Hirsch will tell us about that. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Special. Welcome back to Saskag Today. A Saskatchewan-based company that focuses on providing sustainable and clean prairie-based biomass fuel wants to buy flax straw from producers. Prairie Clean Energy CEO Mark Cooper says they're buying between 6,000 to 54,000 tons of straw at a time within a 100-kilometer radius around Regina and a 75-kilometer radius around Gilbert Plains, Manitoba. It's part of their plan to scale up production of flax pellets. Yeah, so we're leasing a facility here in Regina and we're just waiting for the equipment to arrive from manufacturers. And so we're anticipating that the facility will be operational somewhere between April and June exact timing to be determined, but uh, for sure uh, by the end of the first half of the year. And uh, it'll be processing approximately three tons per hour to start, which is um, kind of the starting volume that we'll be, we'll be operating there, and then that volume will expand over time. Uh, and so the straw we're buying now will be used to help supply that facility until next harvest, um, you know, October, November next year. He says buying flax straw has been easy so far. Uh, the purchasing has been going well. I think we're at about 80% of the target uh, right now that's been committed and uh, looking to continue, especially to grow that in the Regina area. 
And uh, yeah, we've been, we've been very pleased with the response that we've been getting from producers as they've heard, you know, our radio ads and seen some of our online advertising. And uh, would encourage any producers out there who have flax straw or that they aren't doing anything with it, they'd like to sell it. We'd be uh, we'd be happy to buy it if they're within 100 kilometers of Regina. Cooper says it comes at a time when countries are seeking alternative sources of energy, including biomass. For example, Europe and Asia have been using biomass energy to transition away from coal. A common biomass fuel is wood, but there is a growing shortage of harvested wood globally. And so more and more clients are looking for a new sustainable sources of biomass. And, and the next evolution of that is going to be agricultural straw. And flax straw, there's so much of it here in, in Saskatchewan and across the prairies. Uh, most of it is being burned in the fields. And our thought was, hey, instead of doing that, let's pay the, pay the farmers for the straw. Let's convert it into these pellets and let's sell it to clients around the world who want to use it to get off of their dependence on coal and fossil fuels. And so there's a strong energy market around the world for that. So we're selling in those markets and we're also selling into secondary markets like animal bedding, especially horse bedding in the U.S., where uh, the Amish community and others have strong horse populations and are looking for innovative and sustainable bedding solutions for them. And so we have uh, markets both overseas and, and domestically. Prairie Clean Energy does business in Canada and the United States, but are also expanding abroad. And we have um, future sales contracts for sales into the United Kingdom and into Japan. Um, there's other opportunities to sell into other countries in Europe, uh, but right now our sales are in Canada and in the U.S. with those contracts in Japan and in uh, the U.K. He says none of this would be possible without a lot of support. Yeah, Prairie Energy has been very uh, fortunate and, and deliberate in terms of building a, a business model that isn't dependent on government support or government subsidies, but has been successful in uh, receiving it. So. Uh, the provincial government through the Saskatchewan Advantage Innovation Fund, um, the federal government through the Mining Innovation Commercialization Accelerator, uh, both have invested uh, in research and development and product development for Prairie Clean Energy. And uh, that's unlocked you know, our ability to prove out our business model, to test and, and make pellets and to begin to patent our, our technology as well. And so uh, all of those things have been, have been really essential. And, you know, Saskatchewan is such a unique a uniquely positioned spot. There really isn't any other place on earth that we could do what we do other than right here. And uh, we're very fortunate to have the strong support of our, our local, provincial and federal governments. Producers who want to sell their flax straw to Prairie Clean Energy can contact them by email at info at prairiecleanenergy.com. You can also call them at 306-910-3529 or simply visit their website, prairiecleanenergy.com. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Residents of a Manitoba town are mourning the loss of its historic grain elevator. The Saint-Jean-Baptiste elevator, which opened in August 1951 with a 40,000-bushel capacity and underwent multiple renovations during its lifetime, burned down this weekend. Firefighters received information around 3 o'clock Saturday morning that a fire had started at the elevator that employed 13 people. The facility was full of grain at the time of the fire. Eight fire departments and up to 100 firefighters responded to the call. 
Prairie communities have lost multiple grain elevators in recent years. In December of 2022, for example, a fire destroyed an elevator in Bentley, Alberta. And Saskatchewan communities lost grain elevators in November 2016 and November 2017. The managed money net short position in Ice Futures canola contracts continued to grow in early October as speculators liquidated long positions and put on new shorts. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of October 10th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 61,744 contracts, an increase of about 16,000 contracts from the previous week and the largest net short position in four months. Open interest in the canola market dipped by 6,914 contracts from the previous week at 305,322 contracts. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders flipped to a net short position on soybeans for the first time since March of 2020, moving from a net long of nearly 2,400 contracts to a net short of around 3,200 contracts. A Winnipeg investment firm with ownership stakes in Canadian manufacturing and airlines has bought a Saskatchewan company that makes heating and drying systems for grain growers and other sectors. Exchange Income Corporation, or EIC, has announced it has bought dry air manufacturing of St. Brew for about $60 million in cash and EIC stock. Dry air, in business since 1994, produces hydronic central heating and drying systems, that is, systems that use circulating fluids for heating or cooling, for applications such as construction site heating, ground thawing, and concrete curing, among others. The company's grain drying system uses a hydronic central heating unit to distribute heated fluid to sets of portable coils, which heat the intake air to be fed into grain bins via aeration fans. Dry air systems have been similarly used in commercial processing, such as drying dehydrated alfalfa pellets. Brazil's government has told ranchers and farmers to stop setting fire to the Amazon rainforest, as clouds of dense grey smoke make the air increasingly unbreathable in the northern city of Manaus. It's threatening sanctions if they do burn areas of land, the world's largest rainforest is facing a historical drought worsened by the El Nino weather phenomenon. Rainfall below average is increasing the polluting effects of the region's annual burning season. This is the time of year when fires tend to spike in the Amazon as rains subside, making it easier for ranchers and farmers who use fires to clear land, raise cattle, and grow commercial crops. According to the Brazilian government, 60 of the 62 cities in northern Amazonas state have declared a state of emergency because of drought and wildfires, and the month of October is expected to be challenging. Emirati agribusiness Al Dara is in talks to acquire more agricultural land in Egypt in a deal that could reduce Cairo's dependence on imports of staple crops, but also reignite water use concerns. The sources did not say how close a deal might be, but the investment could potentially involve hundreds of millions of badly needed dollars to reclaim desert and grow key crops such as wheat 
and corn. Aldara, half-owned by Abu Dhabi Sovereign Wealth Fund ADQ, is in talks via its subsidiary Aldara Egypt with the Egyptian military's National Service Projects Organization to buy land in southern Egypt, but is also considering other areas. One said a deal could involve the acquisition of 210,000 hectares in phases, either through a purchase or long-term lease agreement. The second source indicated around half that quantity of land. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will be back right after these messages. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and 16 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan cattle prices lost a little more momentum this past week, according to the latest cattle market update issued by Canfax. Provincial cattle specialist Vonda Froats says both feeder steer and heifer prices were lower compared to the previous week. Feeder steer prices ranged from 512.64 for the 3 to 400 pound category to 305.50 for the 900 plus pound category. Weight category prices were primarily down over the prior week with the exception of the 3 to 400 weight and 7 to 800 weight steers with prices improving just 58 cents and 40 cents per 100 weight respectively over the previous week. The largest price decline was in the 8 to 900 pound steers with an average decline of 974 per 100 weight. And average prices for Saskatchewan feeder heifers range from 413.75 per hundred weight for the three to four hundred pound category to 287 for the 800 plus pound category. Prices declined across all but one of the weight categories, with the largest decline being an average of 1339 per hundred weight, and that was in the three to four hundred weight heifers. The 7 to 800 pound category increased 117 per hundredweight, ending the week at an average of 309.25 per hundredweight. Like last week, she says prices were on a seasonal decline as a result of more cattle entering the market. As expected, there is more pressure on the heifer prices, and that's mostly due to higher volumes of heifers on offer and the higher cost of gain associated with feeding heifers. Still, this is a really strong feeder cattle market. Uh, Lower beef production forecasts for 2024 are a positive contributing factor. A small decrease in the number of cattle sold at auction in the province was noted by Canfax. The volume of Saskatchewan feeder cattle sold at auction decreased the week ending October 13th, with Canfax reporting 21,941 heads sold compared to 23,704 the previous week. And Froat says Alberta fed steer prices were up compared to the previous week. The price for Alberta fed steers averaged 233.70 for the week of October 13th, which is 40 cents per hundredweight above the previous week. And prices for Alberta cows reported on October 13th were up compared to October 6th. D2 cows increased on average 182 per hundredweight from the previous week to average 132.43. D3 cows were up 311 per hundredweight over the prior week and the week averaging 121.33 per hundredweight. 
That's Fonda Froats, provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, providing the cattle market update for the week ending October 13th. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December closed at 186.87 today. That's up 32. February live cattle closed at 191 even, up 35. November feeder cattle closed at 250.45. That's up 52. January feeder cattle closed at 252.80, up 127. December lean hogs closed at 67.55, down 75. February lean hogs closed at 72.05, down 102. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. U.S. wheat futures finished the week on either side of unchanged after a mixed reaction to what was largely a neutral WASDA report for wheat. Otherwise, there was additional buying of soft red winter wheat from China that was beneficial to the futures. And just briefly, we'll talk about the global wheat numbers and then get into the buy class numbers shortly. The USDA WASDA report put global wheat production down by almost 4 million tons from last month at 783 million tons. This is now a 6 million ton decrease from last year. If true, this would be the first global decline in wheat production since the 2018-2019 season. World wheat consumption was lowered by 3 million tons. The USDA global consumption outstrips supply by 9.4 million tons this year, as global ending stocks are expected to fall to 258 million tons. Alright, let's start in Canada. Weekly Canadian wheat exports were large in week 10 at 550,000 tons for a season total of 3.8 million tons. This is over half a million tons ahead of last year's volume. Producer deliveries have slowed and are now behind last year's pace. For Canadian Durham, weekly Canadian Durham exports in week 10 were 92,000 tons for a season total of 429,000 tons. This is exactly in line with last year. With that said, producer deliveries are slow and well behind last year. For the global Durham trade, Tunisia purchased 100,000 tons of Durham at $415 to $419 on a cost insurance freight basis. The origins are believed to be Turkey and Russia. The last tender in August went for about $10 per ton more. As reported last week, Turkey is emerging as a more significant factor in the Durham export market than previously seen. The 2023-24 Turkish Durham production is estimated at 4 million tons, up 1 million tons, or 33% from the previous year. Normally, the Turkish Durham crop is consumed domestically by pasta processors, but increased demand for Durham and favorable prices have resulted in much higher expected volumes. Indeed, Turkey has already shipped over 1 million tons of Durham, mostly to Italy and, surprisingly, Canada. Canadian Durham values will continue to struggle until demand returns to Canada in the second half 
of the marketing year. And now to the U.S. The USDA raised U.S. wheat production by 2.1 million tons. Ending stocks increased by 1.5 million tons from September to 18.2 million tons. Most of the increase in ending stocks were in the hard red winter wheat and the hard red spring wheat classes. The hard red spring wheat class was the main driver behind the USDA's increase in U.S. wheat production. Hard red spring wheat production in the U.S. was raised by 55 million bushels from last month to 468 million bushels, up 5% over last year. Imports were also 5 million bushels higher, now 7% more than last year, for a 60 million bushel increase in the hard red spring wheat supply. Feed use and exports were raised 15 million bushels and 10 million bushels respectively, for a 35 million bushel increase in ending stocks to 137 million bushels. With that all said, ending stocks are up 9% from last year. For the U.S. Durham crop, the USDA increased production by 2 million bushels while reducing imports by 5 million bushels. Ending stocks were thus 3 million bushels lower at 20 million bushels, down almost 30% from last year and lower than the 2021 levels. Weekly U.S. export sales were above expectations last week at 652,000 tons. Total commitments are now at 10.1 million tons, which is 53% of the total amount that the USDA is expecting. There was another sale of 151,000 tons of soft red winter wheat to China. This comes a week after the 220,000 tons that was reported previously. U.S. farmers planted another 17% of the total winter wheat crop over the week, which is now almost 60% complete. Emergence is average. Rain is expected in the winter wheat belt, which will alleviate dry conditions, but could slow some progress. In Australia, Australia had the driest September on record, receiving just 71% of average rainfall amounts. The USDA decreased their estimate for Australia's wheat crop by 1.5 million tons to 24.5 million tons. This is almost 40% less than the previous year's record crop. In Argentina, the USDA's production number was unchanged at 16.5 million tons. This is what Badge had been estimating, but last week they put their estimate down by 300,000 tons. Both estimates are likely too high as the Rosario Grain Exchange lowered their estimate to 14.3 million tons. In the European Union, Matif milling wheat futures ended higher for the week with rumors of additional Chinese buying. The USDA left its balance sheet for the EU unchanged, which includes unrealistically high exports and too low ending stocks. In the Black Sea, the USDA left Russia's wheat production number unchanged, which is too low. It did increase exports to a record 50 million tons. Ending stocks were put unrealistically low, but this will be solved with the higher production that the USDA is not accounting for. Ukraine's balance sheet was left unchanged. As far as some of the significant trades, Egypt was back, buying 480,000 tons of Russian wheat in a private deal, and tendering on Thursday buying 170,000 tons of wheat from Romania and Bulgaria. 
As far as some of the other news that is impacting wheat markets, the USDA put U.S. corn yields lower than what was expected. The USDA is now estimating that the national corn yield will be 173 bushels per acre, compared to what the trade was guessing at 173 and a half bushels per acre. As far as the conflict in Israel and Gaza, tens of thousands of Israeli troops are at the border of Gaza, waiting for the order to begin the ground invasion in response to the Hamas terror attacks. As far as the outlook, in the short term, we see futures trading in a narrow range, and growers being reluctant sellers at current returns. Russia will continue to be the most aggressive seller as, in their opinion, the price is not bad and they need the money. It is difficult to forecast events when we don't know how the events over Hamas and Israel will develop, but keep in mind that war zones do not create demand. Whether in the southern hemisphere, Chinese demand and Russian exports will be the main drivers moving forward. We would hold additional wheat sales for the new year. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. I'll have your commodities update coming up next. Saskeg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at 7.1920, down $4 per metric ton. January canola closed at 7.2430, down $2.90. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.27 and 3 quarters, that's down 1 cent. December Kansas City wheat closed at 6.66 and 3 quarters, down 2 cents. December Chicago wheat closed at 5.70 and a half, down six and three quarters of a cent. December corn closed at 4.89 per bushel, down one cent. November soybeans closed at 12.96 and three quarters, up ten and a half cents. December oats closed at 3.74 and a quarter, down seven and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Construction is proceeding on the new Cargill canola crushing plant located within the Global Transportation Hub on the eastern side of Regina. SaskAgToday.com's chief agricultural editor, Kevin Hirsch, updates developments within the GTH. A lot of controversy swirled around the Global Transportation Hub and the corresponding creation of the Regina Bypass to provide a transportation corridor. Now the Hub is starting to fulfill its purpose. Management services for the GTH are being provided by Colliers, a property management and commercial real estate firm. Richard Jankowski, the Managing Director of Saskatchewan Brokerage for Colliers, says the GTH provided Cargill with what they were looking for in a canola crushing location. There's availability of labor in the Regina region. Raw canola can easily move in by truck and rail, and the resulting oil and meal has access to both railways and can be readily shipped to Vancouver, the U.S. and Mexico. 
Since the facility will be a large user of process water, a secondary pipeline is planned from Buffalo Pound to serve the region with Cargill as the first customer. Jankowski says the scale of the Cargill build is impressive. It's massive, so this one will be the, it'll be their largest facility in the world. Um, you know, I just look at some of the, the features there, 23 kilometers of uh, inner railway network, about four kilometers uh, north to connect to CN. Uh, there's there's uh, 247 acres that are custom designed, so there's an interior road system and that complements the interior rail network. Um, silo structures or slip form construction similar to what you'd see in a on a concrete inland terminal facility um, and some of the other things that stand out I, I think about you know um, 4,000 or so uh, concrete piles just a ton of uh, ton of raw materials uh, the rebar and so on and the, the steel to run the facility just for power and the grid within it is uh, it's huge so they're talking about uh, gearing up to as many as 700 um, construction jobs by the you know the peak of 2024 um, I think there's around 550 there right now it's basically a, a huge work camp in and around it just outside the city some of the early clients were in the Global Transportation Hub before the Regina Bypass was built. Jankowski says the number of clients is steadily increasing, with many of them related to agriculture. We've got new companies that are coming, um, Avena Foods being an example. Um, uh, Four Tracks, a trucking company out of Manitoba, has bought land. Um, Cam Transport just uh, closed on a deal, so they're they're planning to build out there. There's there's about a, a dozen other deals that are in various stages of negotiation, and you know you can you can assume that once Cargill's operational, there'll be companies that want to lo co-locate out there because their their services will complement uh, the the Cargill operation. And of course, the other one that's not a big land user, but it's exciting because it's a first. Uh, venture into Saskatchewan and that's uh, that's Amazon's distribution uh, hub that you know was, is going to get going here as, as understand it in early 24. For Saskag Today, I'm Kevin Hirsch. Farm Bulletin Board. Cattle and bison producers are being asked to participate in a survey to help engineering specialists create new technologies for the ranch. The study's principal investigator and supervisor is Tate Chow, a faculty member in the Ron and Jane Graham School of Professional Development at the University of Saskatchewan. The tech developers need to learn more about cattle and bison production before embarking on efforts to, to create new smart technology. We need a deep understanding of what are the relevant information cattle producers really need. That's built on the understanding of their operation and what they want. So it takes a lot of work and hopefully we'll be able to use that to improve their operations. Some cattle producers may be hesitant about new technology and Chow says the goal is to develop smart tools that are both relevant and easy to use. Essentially, we're trying to find ways to increase productivity to make things as uh, easy as possible because we recognize technology is created to serve the producers to make their life easier. It shouldn't be more difficult to operate. <laughs> 
One possibility is developing a dashboard to allow producers to remotely monitor health readings on livestock. I think animal health is becoming more important. I'm actually from biomedical engineering background. We do that for the human health. The question is, can we do this in an affordable manner and would this be helpful? For the cattle producers, that's the question we're asking, and hopefully we can uh, find the answer. Chow is also hoping that a few producers will invite engineering specialists to their operations so they can gain a better understanding on where to concentrate their efforts. The written survey takes about 15 to 20 minutes to complete, and all the information will be collected and reported anonymously in an aggregated form. Tate Chow can be contacted by phone or email. The email address is Tate, that's T-A-T-E, at Chow, which is spelled C-A-O, at usask.ca. Tate's phone number is 306-966-7860. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. An 80% chance of scattered showers, winds southeast at 15 to 25, and a high of 15 degrees. For tonight, cloudy with a 30% chance of isolated showers, which will end. Winds north at 15 to 25, a low of 7. For tomorrow, early cloud, then sunshine. Winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of 14, an overnight low of 4. For Thursday, mainly sunny. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of 19. For Friday, early cloud, then sunny, a high of 15. Saturday, cloudy with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 11. In the Paw and Brandon, it's 13 degrees. Swan River and Dauphin are at 12. Show Lake Russell, 17. Roblin, 15. Regina and Saskatoon are at 14 degrees. Hudson Bay, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 11. Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, 15. The Yorkton-Melville region has some light rain, a south wind at 13 kilometers an hour. 57% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 16 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford.